SMS SAFM now on 41391. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Turning conventional wisdom on its head. Today, the Concord ruled that the 2018 multi-term collective agreement, Resolution 1 of 2018, as it is known to members of FEDUSA, concluded under the auspices of the Public Sector Coordinating Bargaining Council between public sector unions and government is now invalid and non-binding. Of course, this is a bitter bitter pill to swallow, and it remains a fact that the scourge of corruption that largely contributed to this poverty and narrative and the failure to pay public servants their dues is condemned but continues to go unpunished without full recovery of stolen funds that will comfortably cover the latter part of the three-year wage agreement. Many people are not happy, Fedusa not least among them. We are now joined by Pierre Sneeman, Vice President for Public Sector at Fedusa. Pierre, good evening. Thank you so much for your time. This judgment certainly not advancing what you believe to be a fair relationship between employer and employee. Your thoughts on that? Okay, so good evening to you and your listeners, and thank you for having me. Indeed, it was a bitter pill to swallow. Um, the trust deficit is now expanding and growing between employer and employees in the form of our affiliates. And uh, it was really not expected. Uh, we must state as Fedusa that we are really respecting the Constitution of South Africa as well as the Constitutional Court. That, in no uncertain terms, means that we are happy. In fact, our affiliates are extremely disappointed uh, for the employer uh, entering into a collective bargaining process, concluding a collective agreement, and to learn that it was in bad faith. And uh, by bad faith, meaning that they did not have the necessary approval, the state as employer, to conclude such an agreement, which surely impacts on the trust relationship between government unions and also the government as employer. Could you take us through the process of actually engaging in negotiations under a collective agreement so that we can establish exactly what happened because this is clearly a question of principal and agent where the principal did not give the agent the necessary authority, did not delegate the power to the agent to engage in meaningful dialogue with yourselves such that has caused this great upheaval that manifests in this judgment saying that that negotiation essentially was an unlawful one therefore now invalid in the context of it being an agreement. Yes, so in terms of collective bargaining, the parties should go there into the process honestly, in good faith, and uh, the objective of collective bargaining is indeed to have labor peace. Now, the union formulates a mandate from its members and then uh, putting on the agenda a demand in the bargaining council. Mm -hmm. The employer then comes to the bargaining council and the negotiation process starts. It's a process of give and take in an honest environment. And what surely can be said uh, is that the union are mandated by its members. The employer should be mandated by the 
their protocol framework. Now, what we have learned, and this is what is so extremely disappointing, is during that process, in the, during the collective bargaining process and negotiations, there was no indication from the Department of Public Service, who is then the, the principle of government in the negotiations, that there is no approval. We only learned about non-compliance with the approval protocols within the regulations in the court papers after the dispute has been declared. So you can imagine, Sagisu, uh, how our members feel at this point in time, and also that uh, the collective bargaining process that is there to have a, a labor peace is really now uh, considering the events today and the judgment, uh, the future outlook is not too good. But how will we, for instance, prevent the same thing happening the next time you are engaged in negotiations? In other words, what will you do going forward that you didn't do the last time? It's quite conceivable in this environment that something like this can happen again, more especially if it has these ramifications for the public purse. I mean, I would imagine that the department is quite happy with this judgment precisely because it doesn't have to fork out money that will obviously argue that it doesn't happen. So what would force them to do anything differently going forward? And, of course, what would you, as a result of this, do differently that you couldn't or didn't do for whatever the reason the previous time? Yeah, sure. So, as indicated, it's an honest process, or supposed to be. So, this will now uh, drive the unions in the public sector when negotiating and when it comes to the final stages of concluding a collective agreement, is then to rely on a clause in the collective agreement actually demanding such a clause that indeed the employer representative signing the agreement is duly mandated and empowered through the delegation of authority to sign such an agreement. It's really sad to go to such an extent, but this is where we find ourselves now in, uh, that indeed we need to make provision within the collective agreement for uh, such a provision of delegation and mandating. But how is that different to the case right now? Because he came to the bargaining table, you understood it as that. I'm trying to understand principle and agent, the laws that apply here. So he presented himself as one who had the delegated authority. The extent to which he signs it, it doesn't necessarily mean he actually has that authority. In other words, this clause that you're referring to the second time out is not necessarily going to be the panacea for the problem that you have right now. How do you get around that? No, indeed, but we must understand that if such a clause is built into the contract, it will become more difficult for any person to a contract to avoid complying because it is a certification in the contract that indeed the person signing was mandated. I must just also indicate to you from a federation stance, we are going to report this to the International Labour Organization. The Convention 154 of mm -hmm. the ILO, uh, to which the South Africa is a member uh, to the ILO, puts the right to collective bargaining there. Now, for us, the right was there. However, that right becomes illusionary when um, you enter into collective bargaining, conclude an agreement, and it's done in bad faith. Then there's no real right. So what we are doing from the Federation position at this point in time in support of our public servants 
uh, unions is indeed to file a complaint at the International Labour Organization in Geneva for their intervention because the internal process in terms of the court processes are now finalized and we're moving to that part of registering a complaint at the ILO. Fantastic. Do I understand that to mean all internal remedies, to the extent that you guys have noted them, have been exhausted? In other words, there isn't going to be what I would imagine could be a silver claim against the individuals who came with that promise but didn't have the necessary authority jointly and severally? You're not pursuing that line? Or this is something under consideration? That is indeed something under consideration. Our unions have voiced that. It belongs to FEDUSA. And we are also regrouping and uh, tomorrow and considering a meeting with our legal team uh, to really path the way forward of all possible avenues uh, for our public servants. Fantastic. Let me let you go. Thank you so much, Mr. Pierre Sneman, Fedusa's Vice President for the Public Sector. Clearly not a happy chappy who represents scores more similarly unhappy people.